welcome to Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for TV and movie lovers. I'm your Zadie host, Sonia Stanger, and I'm joined by two co-hosts with hearts bigger than 50 school buses, Sean Dunham and James Brotheridge. Hi, pals. Hi. Hi, Sonia. I have a medical issue. (laughs) I I knew Sonia was going to say that. It's a metaphor, Sean. (laughs) Here in Regina, our local IMAX theater is in the process of upgrading to a digital IMAX with laser system. So this week, it's eye to the max here on the show. Uh, Mm. So Jim, being the film genius that you are, would you be so kind as to tell us what IMAX is? Well, thanks for being so generous right off the top and calling me a film genius. <laughs> you are. Uh, I don't know if I can live up to that, but but we'll see. Uh, but IMAX right off the bat is a film format, first and foremost. And that might mean a little bit less coming in a digital time where some of these things can be a little bit more fungible. Uh, but back in the 80s and when this was being developed in the 90s, when it really kind of hit in a big way, uh, it was a option for specially designed theaters to kind of show a, a full range of vision in, in a shot and kind of give people a, an immersive experience. So it's a 70 millimeter film format, but uh, instead of just showing the wide screen that kind of takes you left to right, your full range of vision that way, it also takes you top to bottom and that it's a, a full square frame that in the case of the Kramer IMAX down at the Science Center there, it immerses you like you're just fully in the image uh, because it's pretty much all you can see unless there's something. You can't get away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's why they have to give you those warnings at the front of every uh, screening that, you know, if, um, you know, the U.S.'s National Parks documentary is too immersive and invigorating for you put your head between your knees and then if that doesn't work then uh kindly leave out the back yeah in there baby well yeah yeah, because it it does make me feel a little motion sick sometimes just the i don't know if it's just like the size like you said like how it takes up your whole kind of gaze but yeah well that's part of it like even like the old intro which uh as I remember it at least, felt kind of reminiscent of 2001 when they're kind of getting into the trippier portion there. But anything with movement, anything with kind of large images, it threatens to become overwhelming when you're in that section of it. Um, But yeah, you're right that uh, our Kramer IMAX down at the Science Center is currently going over to digital. They're going to retain the ability to still show on film. Uh, and they still have some scheduled options to do that. But from my understanding, the stock of films that's coming up, particularly in the realm of the short documentaries that they show a lot of the time, is just mm-hmm. increasingly digital only. And so it was kind of imperative for them to to switch over. Uh, and that's kind of what brings about this whole talk with us, and it's kind of our, our peg for this episode. Uh, but thinking Sonia, back a bit... laser, sir? the laser thing you said? Sonia was like... And a laser. I, I, did you say something about a well, laser? Well, I think it like incorporates lasers in the projection. Yeah. I'm not sure how okay. many lasers, but part of the fundraising option right now is uh, if you want to uh, give some money towards the, the new upgrades they're doing, rather than getting a, a seat or something in the theater, you can adopt a laser. Uh, so 
Oh my a god. Laser. I don't know how they would identify that. I don't know how that's uh you know, if you'll they, get to know which one's yours. Yeah, you they, get a that's my laser. Make <laughs> yeah. sure to put on the fridge. Yeah, when you go on dates, you know, take them over there to say you yeah. see that point of light there? That's that's me. <laughs> yeah. Cause what does the laser require? <laughs> what does it ask of you? <laughs> um but yeah, I to kind of kick off, I know I've definitely been going to the Kramer since I was a kid. Uh, and I'm wondering what experiences you've, you two have had. Like, uh, did you go there as a young person? Did you go there as an older person? Uh, and what were your impressions of the experience early on when, uh, when you first started going to the Kramer? Sean, do you want to start? Okay, I can start. I honestly am a bit of a virgin in, the, <gasps> in this realm. I am a, you know, fresh off the sheep farm type type of boy, <laughs> and I, and I, I was like trying. I was like, I'm sure this seems like a experience that every child has had, and I thought some memories would come flooding to me. But honestly, I'm like, I don't think I saw any of these. I remember being a kid and going to like a roller coastery thing, like where the you know like. It was from the POV of like you're a person on a roller coaster, and I did also have to barf and have to leave the theater. <laughs> oh no! Um, oh, no, because <laughs> I am a, a sensitive soul, and uh, it probably has only gotten worse with age. So I have like the movies that I see in the th- in the IMAX are usually just like um, like Hollywood film. Yeah, like special. There's releases. not a lot. Yeah, I don't see a lot of the. The sort of 50-minute documentaries. But I honestly should, because I think it would improve the documentary. Because <laughs> I've yes. watched a few of them this week. And, you know, some of them are a bit of a snooze. <laughs> but I think if I was floating, if I was thro- floating through space and time and water in, a, in, an, in an image max, I would be like, okay. Well, and just getting Doing. your your ears absolutely blasted by sound as well. I think that's part of it too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like that sound system in there. I remember when they were leading up to showing Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, there was I can't remember how long it was, but it felt like it was maybe like a 6 or 7 minute Dunkirk teaser. And Dunkirk being a a war movie with planes and boats and explosions. And that really, really persistent ticking score that's kind of meant to mm-hmm. like show the progress of time. It's the kind of teaser where like you could just feel it rattling in your chest. <laughs> it's so insistent and loud and <laughs> kind of earth shaking. Um, and that's well, probably like Oppenheimer. A, a yeah, he he said that Oppenheimer, you are really going to viscerally feel the nuclear explosion. <laughs> and that makes me nervous. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Oppenheimer will be an interesting one to see in IMAX. I don't know if I could handle that. It'll blow our little wigs off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to get back to your question, Jimmy, um, I I did go as a kid for sure. It's really, I was I was feeling kind of frustrated this week because I could not for the life of me remember which ones I had actually seen as a kid. Like I was like, okay, 
I know I saw an ocean one, but which of these like several <laughs> ocean ones? I think I can say with certainty that I did see uh, the African Serengeti, I think it's called. Um, and yeah, it just like blew my socks off as a kid. Like any of the ones I saw. Um, I've always been pretty into like nature documentaries, especially ones focused on animals. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was a very big deal. I did for sure get motion sickness, um, (laughs) and have to put my head between my legs. I still sometimes do. Um, but yeah, I think it just like really, like you said, it really fills your full attention. Um, and, and just like sucks you in. Uh, so I loved it. And then as an adult, I've been to, like Sean was saying, some like special releases of, of more Hollywood films. Um, so I actually saw 2001 A Space Odyssey at the IMAX for the first time, having consumed an adult candy, mm. <laughs> which was quite the experience. Um, my heart rate would literally increase at certain times. That also happened when I saw Tenet the same way. Um, so yeah, I guess most of my adult IMAX experiences have featured recreational substances (laughs) in a fun way. You're like, this isn't, it's not enough that my entire mind is about to be blown. (laughs) Pretty much. I just just fully blow my mind. Yeah. Like what I'm thinking about the IMAX format and... Like what's shown at the Kramer largely, I do kind of break it down into three general groups. And like mm-hmm. two of them are the short docs. One is just strictly nature, animals, et cetera, et cetera. And then the second part of that is kind of experiences. Like whenever they go up in a space shuttle, whenever they, mm-hmm. you know, go check out a, a cool fire or something like that. Um, and then the <laughs> third one is uh, the the actual Hollywood or other features, you know, the fiction films. And so we mentioned 2001. I know they do Polar Express, which my family uh, has seen there, but I have not seen the full vision of Polar Express uh, to my God, face. Turn, faces, the, turn the uncanny those, valley up to 11. <laughs> those faces that big? That's scary. <laughs> well, that, you know, Tom Hanks hot chocolate number, it's probably going to push you back in your seat a little bit, I'm sure, <laughs> with that sound system. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. And yeah, they also did uh, the Star Wars movies, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the newer ones were also shown there. And some of those also have like some IMAX shots, whereas some of these are just 70 millimeter full widescreen, which is still extremely impressive. But it's not like the full IMAX thing. Um, a filmmaker who does do the full IMAX thing is Nolan time and time again, mm-hmm. where almost all of his like as he kind of goes on, his films are almost exclusively shot in that like Dunkirk was like only the shots within the boats are not IMAX format because he couldn't actually fit the camera in there. But beyond that, he's really, really devoted to this format. Um, Sorry, Sean, I think I interrupted you there. Well, I was just going to say that friend of the show, Christy Zotzman and I once went to a film in IMAX that you wouldn't think called for an IMAX experience. And it was Strange Brew. (laughs) <laughs> starring Rick Moranis but I don't think they played it in actual full I don't think they pulled out all of the stops I think they just made it the size of a normal screen oh you don't yeah. think they shot Strange Brew in IMAX John? 
No, but I mean like when they played it. <laughs> yeah, but I think it has like, to be shot in IMAX to be played in the full IMAX they format. Just stretch, they would just stretch that girl out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they can, right, Jim? Okay. Well. Yeah. Well, like it would be like I don't I don't know if there would be a master of uh, Strange Brew good enough to to do the full IMAX yeah. format like that. But yeah, like the Kramer has been doing kind of digital screenings where I don't know if they have like DCPs or I don't know if they're doing it off of discs or anything like that. But like, you know, they've been doing Halloween screenings. Like I saw Peter Jackson's Dead Alive where mm. at the end uh, the hero gets uh, consumed by zombie mother and then birthed again. Uh, so they've had some some wild stuff in that kind of format. Whoa. Uh, and I think one of the hopes of the digital part is that they get to kind of swing back and do better resolution versions of all that kind of stuff too. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But I think it's nice that they are keeping the 70 millimeter option because I yeah. was reading that they are one of only a few in the world that still has the film format. Well, like in North America, it's something like a, a few dozen. Like it's it's pretty mm. limited that can actually do this. And it's kind of like a, you know, a little little feather in our cap. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, nice to have mm-hmm. something. Yeah. I had no idea. Uh, but when you've been able to see uh, a true 70 millimeter or a true IMAX format movie at the Kramer, what has that changed for you? And is are there any of these that you think work particularly well in that format? Mm. Like 2001, um, I think you felt lost in that, it sounds like. Well, I mean, lost, I guess, <laughs> which like maybe <laughs> is just the 2001 experience to some degree. But also yeah. it was like incredible. Like, you know, um, some of those shots, like, being who he was, <laughs> like the specific attention to detail visually and just the like sheer ambition of some of the shots in that movie and the visuals and like just all the visual metaphor and imagery. Like, um, yeah, it was just like fully overwhelming, but stunning, like a really cool thing to experience. Um, I think for me, like space and underwater also really lend themselves to the IMAX format like there's just something is there just is something about the like crystal clear picture the the sheer size of it like kind of the perspective of it I guess that just is like you know it's really cool to kind of feel immersed in that without for me the utter terror of being trapped underwater or in (laughs) space um and yeah I think like you know just even like nature in general um it's a really beautiful way to like experience some of those films because it does feel so immersive and so like I don't know it just makes me feel kind of like connected to it I guess sometimes um so yeah I think those are the things that stand out for me in terms of what looks the best when I think about it it's like you're flying like in the air through like a river a river runs through and you're just sort of like following the river mm-hmm. past the past the trees and mountains in the background like that's the specific shots that i'm uh, thinking like the camera is attached to a like helicopter <laughs> <laughs> that it like i watched a bit of an everest one this week mm-hmm. and i feel like that is that is sort of the shots that i'm th- 
that I'm when I think of like seeing an IMAX movie. That's so true. And, you know, I feel like that's the hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> and you're watching a, a helicopter shot from home, but did it feel impactful or do you think it would have felt that much better if you'd actually been? Well, that's the thing. That's kind of obvious. I, I don't know. Like the duck. Is, yeah. Okay. So I don't know if I want, like, I have never really made it a appointment to go see these like 50 minute, like beaver dock or whatever. <laughs> um, but I think that I would be interested now more to see it in the immersive experience because some the storyline of the dock is a little flimsy, really. <laughs> like it's not like a it's not like a hot, you know unearthing like big things. There are some facts that you're like, okay, that's interesting, but it's mo- <laughs> you're mostly there because you're like the way it makes you feel, not really the information that's being like laid out for you. Yeah, but that that's part of the nice thing about the IMAX documentary format in that, you know, IMAX was developed uh, like in Canada. And then a lot of the same people from my understanding who developed it as a format also started applying it. You know, they're the same people who started making the films and kind of natural extension of, we have a format that is great at showing an incredibly crystal clear image in a huge format that will just dump people into a scene. Like, what do we do with that? Let's take them to some of the most incredible places on earth and let's show them things that are going on in ways that you can't get from any other format. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really, I think it makes a lot of sense to say, you know, let's shoot this guy into space and <laughs> see what that's <laughs> like, you know, and, and do all that kind of stuff. We're having um, the Grand Canyon, baby. Yeah. Like in terms of like fiction filmmaking, it's a little different just because, you know, when you're watching like the Dark Knight trilogy or something with Christopher Nolan again, you know, it's not like he, him shooting Chicago is something that you haven't seen before <laughs> or Batman standing on a ledge isn't an image that, you know, hasn't been done in several other uh, Batman movies to that point. It's still there's just a fact of it filling the screen and Mm -hmm. the way certain filmmakers can use that to kind of enhance action or just kind of enhance the, like the viewer experience, you know? And if you're really good at framing that and kind of directing attention within the frame and everything like that, then it can really be a a boon to, to fiction filmmakers, I think. So that's why I think like, you know, somebody that was like really deliberate, like Christopher Nolan can do it really well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, yeah, like the the kind of masters like Kubrick who were doing it for 2001 in the 70 millimeter format, which is huge and and really immersive, uh, is, you know, pretty beautiful as well. Yeah, like if you can if you are if your eyes are searching this huge screen and like finding things to land on like over and over. And like new things every time, it is incredible, and that's why, like, yeah, watching a f- floating through a forest on my like YouTube on the YouTube on my computer, I'm like, okay, let's move it along. But I'm, <laughs> yeah, if I was if I was agog and aghast, I I would definitely be like, I have I would want that to just keep floating forever. Yeah. yeah. So Sean can ask, did you get the chance to watch Beavers, which is one that I recommended and I'll say I up front, it. one that I, I love. I'm I'm all about Beavers. Okay, I did watch I watched most of Beavers. 
It was just didn't make too it to the end of Beavers. Day. I was I skipped it a, a bit and around Beavers. I was like, okay, okay. the Beavers are beavering. <laughs> can I I'm can out. I spoil Beavers for you? Wait, this is spoiler alert. Can I tell you the ending, or did you see it? Wait, I thought I did. What, what what's the ending? Well, in the ending, they built the dam, and it's a very big lake. Oh. it's a bigger lake than before. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. the peak of its okay. Head. What I got like, what is it with Beavers? Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> why are they obsessed with? Why are they obsessed with running water? It's just a, I don't know. <laughs> did, did they really? Well, ans- it's part of their you know evolutionary instinct because they're just they're like hibernating think- over the winter. They, <laughs> the water needs to be deep enough so that they can still survive on the bottom after the water freezes. And so part of the instinct is to kind of reshape the land so that you know, they can actually survive over the winter. And then, of course, they're actually building their they're, their dens and everything like that. They're just like, absolutely not. I'm blocking this thing up. <laughs> um, there was a lot of, I thought, a lot of great noise work for the beavers. Yes. They, oh, my God. They really, they communicate. You really know what they're saying to each other. They're like, meh. They basically are constantly, and, yeah, going, eh, eh. Yeah. <laughs> And like what they <laughs> always are well, like, like knocking a, tr- they're knocking a tree over on themselves, almost all the time. But they never die. But <laughs> they are the ones. The one was like ah, <laughs> like and it was like babe, you gotta watch. Like you've been doing this a long time. You have to watch out for the tree when it comes down. Beavers <laughs> <laughs> like, is an O H N S like safety marshal of the beaver. <laughs> Like, hello, give yourself a little like room. Just kind of faintly <laughs> ridiculous creatures. Yeah, very. <laughs> but yeah, like they're making these silly little noises and they are always threatening to like kill themselves by like crushing themselves with a tree or something like that. Um, and Beaver's the movie. It has uh, a National Film Board regular, uh, Eldon Rathburn, who does the score. And the score is this very kind of like light touch thing that in kind of like an a chronological way, it kind of reminds me of Howard Shore's uh, score for uh, Lord of the Rings. Like whenever they go to the Shire, like they're very yes. kind of Hobbit-esque creatures. Mm, yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's just um, beavers is an incredible experience. It's one of the Canadian great films. <laughs> and part of it is definitely having seen it a few times in IMAX itself. Like, I remember seeing it as a kid and thinking, oh, that's cool. The beavers are big and they have a little home. They, like, build a little fort pretty much. And that's pretty much all you want as a kid. Yeah. Um, Seeing it as an adult, uh, they did a kind of retrospective, where, like, right after, mid-pandemic, I guess, where they kind of went back and showed some of the older documentaries of the Kramer. Uh, And Beavers was the first movie we need to go see in theaters after theaters had reopened and so maybe that's part of it but it is such an intense and moving experience partially because they kind of lay it out as beavers are one of the only creatures besides man who will reshape the landscape to meet their own needs and throughout this i think you can kind of identify with beavers because you know they are just little dweebs kind of like us a little yeah. bit <laughs> just kind of going about and and kind of uh seemingly oblivious ways and 
at the same time throughout the course of the film it's very kind of light touch shown that they are having this tremendous impact and they are building this incredible thing and it's shown through just some really like beautiful little pieces of work like there's the night scenes which are just some mm-hmm. of like the most beautiful colors i have seen in a film um like particularly a documentary like when i'm thinking about the colors of those night scenes the only thing i can really think of is douglas cirque and those color like the technicolor kind of colors because they are just so vibrant and it's just incredible that they got that out of nature and then beyond that there's just like you would swear that the animals have been staged in some way They're like the camera movements suit them so well and everything is so well directed at telling a story and drawing out kind of character and kind of emotion from these things. And, you know, how much does that tell us about beavers? Like we get like kind of one central fact and maybe two, if you're kind of listening well to the narration, which I'm not always doing, but it gives us a, an experience. And part of the experience is probably drawn from the IMAX format where we get to see the contrast of tiny little beaver kind of dawdling around being a little jerk versus like the full expanse of the Rockies and this like huge vast forest and everything like that. So I did rewatch it for this and like, you know, it's not quite the same, but (laughs) I still feel it's a really immense piece of work. And I'm glad that, you know, beavers is still in the Kramer rotation somewhat. So I, yeah, I, I really dig beavers. It's okay that you don't go, Sean. They should do a retrospective where they go back to interview those beavers again. Oh. and see where they're at oh, and see God, where they're at now such bad news for you my love <laughs> do you think you think they're fine um, i don't think the beavers also, are almost 40 years old <laughs> when uh when the i something that stuck out to me was when the camera was under the water and i was like oh yeah beavers have web feet <laughs> there's a lot you know we've got we've got finding new things about beavers all the time oh. well yeah, they I are just beavers. a bizarre little creature like I just, you're right. You're so right, Jim. Like that juxtaposition of their silliness and then their power, like their, I was going to say their influence. They're influencers. (laughs) They are, they're wood influencers. Um, (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Like just getting that perspective on them, like you were saying, Sean, of like seeing their little web feet and like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just because they're like clumsy, they're like clumsy little rodents. Yeah. But then in the water, they are f- they're like so slick and sleek. They're <laughs> they're re- they're really talented. At they're beefing. <laughs> they're beefing. Well, if nothing else, we've gotten you to give the animal beavers their props by the end of this episode. So I'm glad we did that, Sean. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank goodness. Props <laughs> to you, beavers. Tails, a, a big tail slap to you, beavers. <laughs> slap, slap. I will say, as as a big bear fan, um, it was oh. tough to see the bear be the villain in this film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you but live he, long enough. But not really a villain, because it sort of is just nature doing what nature does, isn't it? Yeah. But like, yeah, like beavers bears are move- pretty famous villains. <laughs> But they're so friendly. <laughs> you ever read a Reader's Digest? <laughs> every every drama in real life is getting attacked by a bear. You're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> but with that, we have to go and hear a word from our sponsors and take a break. 
So we will be right back with more IMAX here on Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. Tuned into the community. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert. We are going to get back to talking IMAX in just a minute. But first, um, do you know like what time it is? Or? I don't have my watch um, on. Uh, it's, no. It's, it's game clear. time, people. Whoa! Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Does in- IMAX have a sound like THX? Oh or something? yeah! Like whoa, yeah! I think that's Dolby, isn't it? It's like shake. Oh yeah, Dolby. Yeah. It is just the Inception noise, I think. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the Prometheus noise. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, if you're just tuning in. The game is where I spend all week looking for a title related to our topic that these two have not seen. I tell them the title, they tell me what they think it's about, I tell them what it's really about, and we all have such a laugh. Are you two ready mm-hmm. to play the game? I'm ready to I'm laugh. Max ready. Oh, okay, perfect. Uh, this week's title <laughs> is Falling in Love Again. That mm, title again. Falling? Falling in Love Again. Okay. You know, I wonder I, if oh, sorry. I have okay. actually seen this movie. <gasps> Whoa, okay. And I will okay. venture this, and it might just be my Hallmark brain kind of processing this, yeah. because I wonder if it is a fall-based in, where Sonya's not going to tell me whether or not I'm right. But <laughs> if it is my Hallmark brain stuff. working overload, then you know we'll deal with it. But is it like a fall-based in where... You know, a big city lady comes to a small inn and mm, she wants to do oh. something or another. Maybe she wants to develop something. Maybe she has an app yeah. to sell somewhere else. <laughs> uh, but then she finds like a kindly ranch hand who shows her the ways of not caring about stilettos anymore. That's probably what falling mm. in love is about. Yeah, probably the first um, IMAX Hallmark crossover. <laughs> well thank you for I that mark... sean okay so i believe it is uh obviously an imax film uh documentary perhaps about mm-hmm. two skydivers who you know th- when they bring the we get crazy footage of the skydiving of course but over the course of filming these two skydivers also start being really fond of each other and they do fall in love and they also fall mm. as a occupation <laughs> out of planes. <laughs> they're professional skydivers. They're professional fallers. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, <laughs> and divers. <laughs> and divers. Well, thank you. Skydiving is the art of falling. The so. art of falling. Yeah. The art of not hitting the ground. Um, well, thank you, Sean. And thank you both. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> you are both wrong in all ways, shapes and forms. I don't. Uh, so oh, I mean, yeah. f- falling in love might be what you said, Jim. It might also be that, but that's not the falling <laughs> in love I'm talking about. Uh, yours honestly both make vastly more sense than what it actually is, because falling in love again is a t- 2003 animated stereoscopic 3D film directed by Monroe Ferguson about a man and a woman. Sorry, <laughs> tossed <laughs> his name. What, Monroe Everything. Ferguson made you laugh. Well, also getting a stereoscopic, like, I feel like that was the procedure I've had before. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a it's an animated three minute film um, about a man and a woman tossed aloft during a car accident who fall in love while plummeting to the ground. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my it's god! Not funny, but they they're okay at the end. Um, set to the song "Falling in Love Again," can't help it as sung by Marlena Dietrich. Uh, it was created by Ferguson with the NFB, the National Film Board of Canada using IMAX's patented Sandy <laughs> stereoscopic drawing system. Um, mm. So yeah, it's you can actually see it on YouTube. It's a very funny little three-minute animated film that's just like two cars coming around a mountain and then they crash into each other and the two people in them fly up and, and fall slowly down and fall in love in the process and then... Um, just as they land back on the mountain, a truck carrying matches and a truck carrying firecrackers or fireworks what? crash into each other so that they fly into the air again in love um, while fireworks. This is fall. a horrible tragedy for <laughs> people. It is, but no one is harmed ostensibly. Um, and, a truckload you know, of matches. It's, it's kind of funny because it's sort of one of those things where you're like, I don't know what this is for like i i don't know what purpose this is necessarily serving but art doesn't have to serve a purpose and i think it's important that we have something like the film board where people can make a silly little animated film like this well speaking wow. of the film sign is going on record <laughs> saying the film board sucks makes sucky things <laughs> well Not it exclusively. just reminds me um the national film board had like one of their movies as one of the animated short nominees at this past Oscars. And it was about a man who survived the Halifax explosion. And most of the animated short is like him naked in the air, pondering existence for several minutes, <laughs> because that's part of the story, I guess that like all of his clothes what? were blown he just, off and he, he blew in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And in the short, like in the animated short, um, he basically goes on almost like a 2001-esque journey where he kind of goes through creation and life and death and returns back to Earth uh, from there. So NFB has something about uh, people... Projecting people through space yeah. and time. Somebody well, has an interest. Even, even all of those little animated films with like the little cat. Do you know what I'm talking about? That are NFB? <laughs> Vaguely. Like the cat came back was like one of them. I feel like there's a lot oh. of people getting blasted into the air in those as well. So I think we've uncovered something here. We might have to do a deep dive into this. Yeah. Um, They're giving they people a know. false sense of explosions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is not <laughs> teaching the children about explosions. You come to the ground a lot quicker than you think, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You don't just fly off like on a trampoline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you both for playing the game. Um, and Jimmy, back over to you as we continue talking about IMAX. Yeah, well, I would love to get back into some of the things we watched over the past week or some of the things we even watched in the past. Uh, and so, Sonia, was there anything that you got the chance to catch back up with or that you remembered seeing that kind of sparked for you uh, when we were talking about, you know, the Kramer IMAX and the IMAX format? Yeah, so I, I did watch... Um, let me get the exact title here. Uh, Africa, colon, the Serengeti uh, from mm -hmm. 1994. An IMAX original uh, narrated by James Earl Jones, of course. Um, okay. Doing a magnificent job. 
And this is one that I know I saw as a kid because, uh, of course, you have a documentary about the Serengeti. You are going to have a shot of a lion eating an uh, antelope devouring. or something similar. Absolutely. <laughs> a wild yeah. beast in this case, I believe. When, um, you, when you said that, I saw the animal getting taken down. Yes. <laughs> and so I think this was maybe honestly one of the first nature documentaries that I saw. And so my first kind of experience of learning some hard home truths about the world and <laughs> the cycle of the circle of life, uh, you know, a year before Lion King came out, I hadn't learned that, learned that quite yet. Um, and it's, it's very compelling, you know, uh, the Serengeti is such an incredibly, uh, important and, and diverse, uh, ecosystem on earth you know there's such a diversity of wildlife and um it's also an extremely hard place uh, for animals to live so i think it kind of yeah i don't know like was one of my first encounters with kind of this idea of like life struggle and like kind of the the, the, the tragedy but like nobility in that like i don't know um but yeah, it's some good stuff. I don't know if you guys got some eyes on that one. No, I never saw that one. But I would imagine if you're filming like in the Serengeti, that would be kind of really fruitful ground for like the IMAX format. Like I think anything with either a really wide and expansive horizon line or no horizon line whatsoever uh, is one of those experiences where it can really kind of pull you in like that. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can see the images of what it I'm sure is in it. Like proud lion, sprinting cheetah. A hundred percent. Yeah, just like Wildebeest in the watering hole. Yeah. Well and talking about like you were saying, Jim, like what kind of what IMAX can do or what it's for. Like just capturing the sheer vastness of a ginormous herd of wilder wildebe wildebeest <laughs> for the wildebeest um thundering across the plains like i think you know short of actually seeing that in real life i i think that's kind of the only way you could really get close to grasping just like the the vastness of that so yeah i had a great yeah. time rewatching it honestly even on my little tv that's certainly not as as fun as the imax yeah. Well, and I think there's space for documentary to kind of do both where it's, you know, might trend more informational. But I personally probably treasure more kind of experiential things. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're describing, something that can kind of take the fact of here are hundreds or a thousand or whatever wildebeest in one location. And here's them moving across the Serengeti and kind of turn that into an experience that you feel in your chest that yeah. you can't escape and that's a, a real moment that you're kind of in at that time like that's yeah. the magic of movies and that's uh something that the imax can capture really really well i really love. yeah and something i was thinking about this week is how these documentaries thread the needle of like edutainment kind of so it's Very. like and there are times when I think it's more successful than others, which maybe we'll get into, where sometimes you're like, okay, this is, anyway. Um, but yeah, that kind of like weaving of, you know, we're teaching you something, but also it's very easy access and consumable. 
and we're kind of just like slipping some some facts in there, which I think is probably a really effective form of science communication um, and something that I think the IMAX is great for. Well, and sparking interest at the very least, like mm-hmm. they might not always be as informational as if you kind of sat down and had like an in-depth study into an issue. And even in terms of the kind of issues brought up, like they aren't particularly political at any time. Yeah. You know, they, uh, they kind of just deal in these things like with like from the kind of friendliest scientific perspective where it's like, we're learning new things. Isn't that great? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, from the ones that I remember and the ones I've seen recently, you know, it doesn't really progress too much beyond that. Like uh, I rewatched Destiny in Space, which is um, one of the space shuttle ones and one where mm-hmm. uh, they launched and repaired the Hubble telescope. Um, and there is kind of like political dimensions here where, you know, there's like space race implications. There's the fact that like NASA is a government funded program. And like, <laughs> it's interesting to think now this kind of IMAX film wouldn't be possible in the same way because we are going to space in the same way. It's not getting the same kind of round of funding and, you know, it's kind of like cut off at the knees in that way. But like these films, when they are thinking about these issues, they aren't thinking of let's give a broad kind of historical or a broad kind of, um, or a deep understanding of what the issues are. You know, a lot of times it is, we're in space now, you know, let's see how cool it is to, to kind of see the Hubble telescope be, be launched or <laughs> anything like that. Yeah, that's so true. Um, when you were talking about edutainment, there was one, and you, you sent us a list of a few, and one very much caught my eye, Titanica, <laughs> which I, as, I feel like every child probably goes through the year of, being obsessed with the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Presume this is just what I've gathered from informal surveys. Uh and so I was actually quite excited to see that one, but for some reason it wouldn't load and I was bummed about it. But oh. there it was like um there's also some sort of video not a, there's like something right now where you can tour like the Titanic like underwater. You could just kind of cruise through it. So that would have been, I, you know, with the feeling where you're so creeped out, like I love, <laughs> you're creeped out, but you're fascinated that the Titanic to me, when you're like, all those shots are just like cruising through. Um, I was looking forward to that, honestly, but what else did I watch this week? I watched Humpback Whales. Yeah. Narrated by Ewan McGregor. Humpback Whales is one that came up. Painfully 2015 soundtrack. <laughs> oh yeah it oh, almost yeah. ruined it for me the soundtrack did really stick out to me as well uh humpback was one that came up because someone close to me was in a very tough job at the time and they described just taking a lunch hour to themselves and going to the imax and seeing humpback whales with a, a thing of popcorn and just kind of escaping for a while and it I sounded like that. such a serene and beautiful thing that's a great lunch hour. Yeah. That is. And that was the perfect choice because serene and beautiful is right. Like I love whales and but it's been quite a while since I watched anything with them 
in it that makes it sound like they're an they're actor not, or something. They're not getting yeah. a lot of work right now. No, I just they're in pilot really season, you know. Yeah. Um, but when you talk about the politicalness, like there are parts where they're like, Oh, we uh, got down to like 50 whales there for a while, but now we're, we've got about 2000 and it's very like no reason or like I, people were killing them, I guess, but there was, you know, they just kind of breeze over like what could be a cause or what actions could be taken to make sure that there's a billion other animals like humpback whales that are gone, baby. Yeah. They kind of, they they kind of talk about like they talk about whaling as like a historical practice and then they kind of tiptoe around like whale safe fishing practices but yeah they don't they they kind of don't they 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 really ride that line and don't push it too far into like yeah the broader issues of overfishing and stuff and even with um they were talking about um was it tonga i think yeah somewhere in yeah we're in like Micronesia. Um, and they kind of make this offhand comment of like, and now because there are more whales, like the tourism industry is flourishing and that's so important for the economy. And you're like, okay, that's a complicated statement that we could unpack, but we won't because it's a 40 minute IMAX documentary. Yeah, we're breezing through. Yeah. I wish you would have had the chance to see Titanica though. And I'm sorry that the link wasn't working for you there. It's. Oh no, that's fine. Uh, it's I by could the... have done a minimal <laughs> amount of work on my hands. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, tell us about it though, Jim. It is the same director as Beavers, so I'm already in the bag. Uh, but it is also a movie that Loves I re- water. There's water. Yeah, he's a water boy. Um, it's a movie I remember as a kid because just for the reasons you said, like it's really visceral seeing the Titanic in like at the bottom of the ocean and they do kind of juxtapose it with like images of the Titanic when it actually had people on it and everything like that. And it's this kind of haunting image that as a kid, it's really difficult to process um, essentially seeing kind of like a graveyard uh, along with it being kind of macabre and cool. Like it's a, it's a really kind of being immersed in that is, is a lot to go through. Um, but the other reason that Titanica is kind of great is because Stephen Lowe has a great eye for characters and uh, like not all IMAX directors can kind of focus on this, but he's really good at bringing out when there are kind of characters and there's like a guy on the ship who is obsessed with Titanic memorabilia and brought it all with them. And it's also like a mix of like Russian scientists along with American geologists and just this odd bunch of people. And there's also a sense of humor to it. Like there's this one bit where they're traveling down and like one of the great feats of technology, somehow getting an IMAX camera to the bottom of the ocean without getting it crushed is incredible. Mm -hmm. But they're talking about how if even one of the light bulbs outside of the sub explodes, then the whole sub explodes like they're done for. And then it immediately cuts to this Russian inside singing the ugliest song on an out of tune ukulele. (laughs) Like it's, (laughs) He, it's a really sharp film in addition to showing footage of the Titanic at the bottom of the ocean, which is objectively really interesting for ways that are difficult to unpack. Okay, that's interesting that he seems to be making documentary choices in terms of tone and stuff, because a lot of the IMAX docs 
to me feel very just like images and voiceover and very like no no one's making uh witty edits or things like that like it's it's documentary but it's a very it's a very safe sort of bland documentary mm-hmm. is what i kind of get from from imax oh, like the vibe that these you know these are so that is interesting that he is like making commentary with his doc yeah if you, like sense yeah well and you know kind of brings me to kind of one of the last things i wanted to talk about here and that's the legacy of these movies a little bit you know like if we're kind of looking at some of these and we feel that they aren't as substantial as others. Like maybe that colors our opinions a little bit, but in general, I think we can all kind of acknowledge it's really difficult to kind of preserve and to keep showing IMAX movies outside of an IMAX format, because as Mm -hmm. we kind of discussed throughout this whole thing, it doesn't hit the same way. And so like what we've got is, you know, we've got a kind of weird collection of like VHS rips of the really old ones, or maybe some of the other ones show up on like Tubi with ads cut in or something like that. And it's difficult to kind of say, like, are we getting like the true full representation? You know, like these don't get preserved or shown in the same ways that like fiction movies and unusual formats do. Like, you know, uh, cinema, cinerama movies, like where the screen was curved around you, those get pretty loving restorations get shown in theaters in kind of proper ways and then even their home releases try to like represent that in an interesting way whereas imax movies like i'm not seeing beavers getting like a kino lorber re-release or something like that (laughs) where it's kind of giving you the full beavers experience somehow um so from your experience of these movies and i'm trying not i i don't want to invite you to be too harsh if you don't feel like it but if you feel like it feel free um, do you feel like these movies are like at risk of being memory hold? And if they are at risk of being memory hold, which I'm kind of suggesting they are, uh, do you think that's a bad thing? Or is that, you know, only for in particular cases, not a bad thing? Or how do you feel about that? Yeah, that's an interesting question because it's like, I definitely have an initial like visceral reaction to that of like, yeah, it's a bad thing. And then I kind of have to interrogate that and be like, okay, but is that just like nostalgia? Like, is there like a substantial reason behind that? Or do I just think like, oh, this is a nice thing, you know, that I associate with childhood and kind of like whimsy. And so I want it to exist. But I don't know, like, I think, I do think that they serve a purpose in terms of like we were saying, like, kind of generating interest and sort of this feeling of connection with the world that I do think is really valuable, particularly in our current kind of moment um, where things, you know, don't feel very connected and hopeful. I think it can be really nice to, um, you know, like there are problems with kind of the sanitization of it, but it can also be nice to just like have a little 40 minute immersion into how beautiful and majestic whales are. And then Mm -hmm. ideally there's a little bit of a thing at the end that kind of says like, you know, we need to fight climate change for this to, to continue to have these experiences or, you know, let's advocate for whale safe practices. Um, so maybe it's not like, it wouldn't be like a critical loss, but I like to imagine a future where if I do have kids, I could take them to 
the iMac. I don't know. Yeah. Sean, do you think it's important for kind of like the legacy of IMAX films as like as it's come up to today to be like preserved and kind of like held for future generations or is it more important to like keep kind of producing current docs that you know will be interesting to my niece and nephew or you know your your family yeah well it's always it's never a good feeling to see art disappear or like something that someone has made to like not be usable anymore but yeah like in this current time it's like if i want to look at the serengeti I can go beep boop on my phone and I have it. <laughs> and this was sort of from a time where it was like, this is something that a person might not have seen in their life or like anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I don't know. We need a lot. We need a library. We need our IMAX library. But, so have we know, convinced you so at all to like theaters as you were talking about? Yeah. Um, have we convinced you at all to like go check out a whale in person? Not in person, but through the medium of IMAX. I would never want to see a whale in person, but I would see one on IMAX. Okay. Is am I wrong? Is there one about dinosaur? Yeah. What is this? What is what do you think the dinosaur one? I think there's, well, there's probably one. a few. Yeah. yeah. Like I remember seeing one where, you know, it is uh paleontologists digging up dinosaurs. And then every now and then there is like a digital dinosaur that will run around. I was imagining a really, really bad digital dinosaur. Yeah. But I guess if it's just popping in, popping out. Yeah, like there was that film. I think it was called Dinosaur. And I can't remember. I don't think that was an IMAX film, but it maybe showed at the IMAX. Or maybe I just saw it at the Science Center. But Mm. yeah, there there are at least a few. I know there's a T-Rex one for sure. Yeah. And Destiny in Space, the one I watched, it did have... It's it's one of these things where it's kind of like we're talking about where, um, you know, it's a bit of an uneven object in that there's some really cool space stuff. And then there's a long section in the middle where Leonard Nimoy narrates a part about, like, what if we terraformed Mars? And there was like a digital right. version of uh, us terraforming Mars and, and what that might look like. And it's like, oh, imagine. And it's like that might have been genuinely cool uh, back in the day. But today it's like, well. No, I, I want to see some goofballs and tucked in polos playing with the Hubble and zero gravity. That's a lot cooler. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to think about Elon Musk getting his hands on Mars, <laughs> which is what that made me think of. He couldn't do as good a job as these Leonard Nimoy folks could. They The digital version of Mars that they, it looks pretty cool, but they also have birds. I don't know if we're bringing birds to Mars. Maybe we need <laughs> birds. I don't know how all this works, so... There could be birds already sitting there. Yeah, we, we don't know. know. Just rehydrate the birds and they pop back up. <laughs> Dehydrated birds is so funny. I don't know. I personally, I feel there are definitely IMAX movies that are kind of worthy aesthetic objects that are kind of full things that work as an experience. And probably like also work in the intended IMAX kind of infotainment kind of way um, that just produce an experience that you can't find anywhere else and produce emotions and everything like that that are just really critical and key. And so, yeah, like if nothing else, let's, you know, 
protect beavers and then we can talk about the rest i guess from there yeah i think that's the key takeaway protect beavers <laughs> protect uh, beavers and with that that is unfortunately all the time we have this week so all the thanks to saskatoon's the garys for the use of our theme song manatuna thank you to jim and sean my co-hosts everyone at cjtr and to you our sweet listeners for lending us your ears the show is broadcast live Wednesdays at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Fridays at 3, and we're available as a podcast on CJTR's website and anywhere else you get your podcasts. My Electric is coming up next. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Bye.